Ready, set, go! Hey guys, welcome to the EV Diaries. This is the place where we discuss EVs in small town America. This is another drive time episode, and if you're unfamiliar with those, that's uh, just me going somewhere in the car with uh, and letting my thoughts just sort of spill out. It's sort of like we're in the car together having a conversation. Now, I got an email from Barry the other day uh, regarding the last episode where I was saying I would rather have a bunch more 50 kW chargers instead of the uh, 350s and my whole opinion on that was bang for your buck. He reminded me how much we that we need the faster chargers especially with the longer range vehicles and I got to thinking about that. Essentially what I have figured out that if you have a longer range vehicle and you can charge it uh, 200kW Charging at 50 kW is almost like plugging into a level two with my car. Uh, if my car was absolutely uh, battery state of charge was to uh, like 6% when the range extender kicks in and I wanted to charge to 100, I'm looking at, you know, nearly four hours. If you're on one of these long trips and you've got a 350 mile range, Charging at 50 kW, it's going to take a while to top off the tank, so to speak. So I, he he changed my thinking on that, and um, and I appreciate it. I'll be the first to admit that I was thinking um, through it with uh, my little 50 kW charging capability, uh, and of course, uh, let me clarify: we're talking DC fast chargers. But yes, I understand that we, we definitely need the bigger chargers for the longer range cars that can accept it because otherwise they would be at the uh, charging stations all day. And we certainly don't want that. So uh, thanks again to Barry for, for pointing that out. And, uh, and just, he, yeah, he's clarified my thinking and he's, he's, uh, he made me look at it a different way and now uh, formed a new opinion. One of the things he mentioned, though, was uh, charging stations at rest areas, which I think is great. Um, that that would be incredible. Now, I don't know how it is where you live, but rest areas along I-75 in Kentucky uh, are owned by the Kentucky Department of Transportation, uh, and they're operated. So for DC fast charging to come in there, it would either take a an agreement between the state and a third-party company and that sort of gets sticky when you start awarding things or the state would have to do it which would involve taxpayer money which gets tricky of course Kentucky is considering or they may have already passed it I have not had to pay it yet an EV tax which if that went for charging infrastructure okay that that would be great because I would benefit from it but now this is to replace lost revenue from gasoline tax, so none of that money will go for infrastructure if and when the day comes. But it would be awesome to have 
uh, be able to stop, stretch your legs, use the restroom, and charge your car and be able to get on down the road. Don't know that that will happen, like I said, in the state of Kentucky with everything being owned by the state, but we can see how, how that goes. As I mentioned the other day, I was going to drop my bicycle off at Capital Cycles and have it tuned up. And this was in um, after I was uh, preparing for the e-bike um, episode. I just remembered how much I enjoyed cycling. So I took my bike over to uh, Peter at Capital Cycles. And I've never met Peter before. I've exchanged some emails with him. But this was their first face-to-face. He came outside of his shop, and um, the first thing he said to me was, what a beautiful i3. And I was absolutely stunned because nobody knows what kind of car I drive other than it's a, it's a BMW. They, they think it's a little odd-looking egg thing. But anyway, he, uh, he knew exactly what he was looking at. He, um, he asked about the, the battery and, and bunch of things so we got on a conversation about that but um, anyway he said he was always a, a BMW fan and to find out he was uh, only been in America for about two years he's originally from South Africa and um, so it, it was just nice to have somebody take interest in EVs that they knew what they were were looking at anyway but he uh, he did like my car but the whole bicycle thing um, and a couple of meetings I had this week. I had one with uh, Athema. It was part of a webinar series. They've launched a new mitigation initiative called BRIC, which I think is Building Resilient Infrastructure and in Communities. Um, that's been a five-week series. Uh, set through that Wednesday afternoon, and then Thursday morning we had our safety meeting. But our safety meeting, uh, part of it, it was uh, quite lengthy, was... Um, restoration and we're talking about widespread restoration like uh, when we had the blackout and actually all this came out of the blackout which I think was in 2003 maybe um, maybe it's 2009 I don't remember exactly but it's where the entire um, east coast and part of Canada went out it was uh, I think there was 8 million, maybe 11 million people. I can't remember the dates and the facts, but that launched uh, a big thing on reliability that the, uh, the federal government did. And part of that is they mandate that we have this training every year to review restoration processes if the world just absolutely went to hell. The good thing is that uh, there's a plan in place. The bad thing is that if I'm inside a substation switching something, the world actually did go to hell and I'm not gonna be the one to fix it. That's uh, above my pay grade. I can tell you what the breaker settings need to be. I can tell you what fuse size you might need for a tap, but um, yeah, don't, don't ask me to fix your substation. But that got me to thinking, what would I do if electricity was no longer available and I'm talking for a few days for a week a month maybe forever what what would I do as an EV driver 
And I can tell you right off the bat that I usually charge my car to 80%. I plug it back in somewhere between 30 and 40%. And that usually will last me two days uh, since I'm working from home and the COVID has set, shut down so much of uh, the running around that we do. And I, I was just thinking about that and um, what would other people do? And my conclusion was that, you know, people who drive EVs right now are still in the early adoption phase. Um, we know more EVs are coming. It's a fact of life. It's an inevitability. Um, but one of the things I was, I was thinking about was that we... EV owners have adapted our lifestyle to have an EV fit with it, which, you know, for some of us that was a bigger transition than others, but we had to change our thinking about how we charged and how we fueled our vehicles and how we operate. So my biggest takeaway from thinking about what would happen if we couldn't charge our vehicles, hey, we have proven that we're flexible, that we adapt. So it seems to me that, yeah, it would be horrible, but we'd figure something out. And uh, I've always got that bicycle, right? But that's that's good news. And uh, I've, I think we should be applauded for being able to think out the uh, think out of the box and um, and you know really, wow, that's cliche, but. Uh, just just adapt so I hope that day never comes um, really really don't want to see it but if we are uh, if we ever hit Mad Max times I'll, I'll probably be the one on a bicycle all right guys that's all I've got today I am headed to the car wash and then I am going to go run before it gets ridiculously hot again it is summer in the south the humidity and the temperature are about the same and that's usually in the upper 90s. So, guys, have a good weekend. Uh, appreciate you all for listening. Hit that subscribe button. And remember, the EV revolution is here. And we are going to adapt, overcome, and have a fun ride.